Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And I am so thrilled that I get to bring this beautiful soul to you today. We had an incredible conversation and there's so much power pack in this interview, honestly. We are talking with Mary Angelico Ferrero. She is the CEO and founder of The Honest Hustle and The Honest Hustle Club, a community of heart-centered and inspiring entrepreneurs. Through a mindset strategy approach, she supports driven entrepreneurs in building a business and a life that is aligned to them. Mary Angelica brings real talk and honest conversations to the table on resilience, mindset, and growing a successful business no matter what your current circumstances. She encourages her community to show up fully in life and business, believe in their worth, and aim for goals higher than what society says they are allowed to. And that's exactly what she's done. Wait till you hear her business growth and story from one year to the next. It's un- it's unbelievable. We discuss the importance of pulling your story into your business and how it helps to share who you are, what you are creating, why it's important to you, and the legacy that you are creating to leave for others. So many times we literally forget to share these parts of ourselves with others so that they can see and learn and hear from us. We talked about how valuable communities are, especially in this time where so many of us are building businesses online and containers that foster community. Working through the experiences and lessons of embracing change, mindset, resilience, and the concept of gratitude and abundance. We talked about learning what it is to be truly grateful and how this process comes from actually seeing both sides of the coin, having and actually experiencing the times of not having and what that looks like. She shared her lessons, her life and business lessons that she's learned from living in a shelter when she was a young teen and what that experience looked like and what it taught her today and how this spills into being grateful for what you have. Abundance is being grateful for where you are and choosing to want more, which is more than good. Like people, we want to really embrace this concept of abundance and what is available to us. I absolutely love this conversation and I cannot wait for you to listen to it. Welcome to the show today, Mary Angelica. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Marsha? I am good. Thank you. This is interesting because a lot of times when I have podcast guests, we've never met in person. You and I actually mm. have met in person and now you're a podcast guest. So that's, I like that. That's kind of an interesting twist. I know. It's actually really funny. I was talking to my husband and I'm like, you know, like the last time I saw Marsha here, I'm like directing her and, and taking her photo and doing all these things. And now I'm just like, I'll follow your lead, Marsha. I'm here with you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Can you tell everyone where you are from? 
So what a funny question. Yeah. Um, this is one of the ones that needs like pre-edit and, and thinking, but I always struggle with where are you from, but I originally am from Venezuela and I, I grew up there till I was 10. And then I moved to uh, the United States of America <laughs> and I lived there in Tennessee, Nashville, straight up Nashville for um, about two and a bit years. And then I moved up to Canada um, just when I was about to turn 13. And I've been here ever since, you know, so where I'm from is, is hard because I, I feel very much Canadian. I've been here the longest, mm-hmm. but, uh, but naturally I wasn't born here. So I feel a lot of connection to my roots. And although I only did two years in Nashville, it, it's still such a big part of, of my life. So I feel very connected to there. So I, I always struggle with where are you from? <laughs> I, I love it. I love all of the the different places that you have been. And I know it's all part of your story. Nashville is somewhere that I went to in 2019 before we stopped everything. And I loved it. Like I yeah. absolutely, I could see myself going back and spending time just to see more of it. Cause I really loved it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I still have family there. I kind of like trickle family everywhere we've been. <laughs> so you can always kind of go back uh, in a really nice, easy way. But uh, Nashville is beautiful. And although I was only there when I was like 10 to 12, mm-hmm. um, going back as an adult, it's such a different experience. So I'm just learning more about, about this city every time I go back and visit. I love it. I love it. What is something that is a superpower of yours? A superpower for me is that I've learned over time, it's really being able to create and hold safe spaces for people. You know, I, I think I, something I know you've been sharing a lot about human design, I'm a projector, so I yeah. completely understand the holding space uh, for others, really seeing them. And, uh, and although for a while, I felt like that was a very normal thing, um, I have learned that it's not. And okay. the, the fact that people can open up so, so easily is actually, it is a superpower. And, and, I, and I love that. I love it so much. That's beautiful. We're going to dive into that in a little bit, because I think that's essentially what you do in your business as you're helping entrepreneurs. What is something that people don't know about you? People don't know. I'm such an open book, but there's many things I'm sure people don't know. People don't know that I love video games. You know, I think it's actually really funny because video games can be seen as something that is so like a time waster or like this, you know, unproductive thing. And for somebody like me, who is such a go, go, go person, always wanting to be productive. It's a very funny thing, but I, but I grew up with technology around me. I grew up with computers before windows was a thing. And I've been, I just always loved video games. My brothers and I grew up playing a lot of them and even designing them. I would design the graphics. My brothers would oh my develop God. them. So it was, uh, it's always been a really fun thing for me. And, and it's hard to actually get people to understand why I love them so much, but I just, I love the escape and I love the, yeah, I love the story. Um, I love video games with story. So it's a, it's a really cool, fun world to get into. It's no, to me, no different than like, I love reading. So it's, it's, it's another no story different. to dive into. It's no different. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's like, it's your, it, we all need that space, but it's interesting because I think of somebody who it does play them and could design them. Oh, come, hello. Mm-hmm. That's a very different, <laughs> like, that's amazing. But that's that creative mindset and flow that you have. And that's probably something that became a very easy transition into photography and taking pictures and branding and all of those yeah. things. Oh, yeah. I love that. And- yeah, it, it, it's actually interesting, as I as you mentioned, all these different things like the photography, the branding. Um, at the very beginning of my business, I was trying to figure out how to explain that what I truly felt like I was, was like a visual storyteller. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's just the beauty of 
what I love about video games. It's like, there's a story, but there's so much visual like thought and strategy behind how it was created or how it's told or the mm-hmm. pacing and all the things. And so I see a website, like you're sharing your story with someone online and how would they, you know, navigate towards, you know, and through your, your story online and similar to branding, like what does it really say about you? So story is probably the thing that attaches everything together in the, in the depths of it. It's just hard to explain that in, in few marketing words. <laughs> Yes, this is, I'm still learning this when it comes to marketing, because this is, <laughs> especially as we're in this space online mm-hmm. and marketing is such an interesting thing, because when I think back to how we used to do it, my very first business was a brick and mortar business. And we used to take ads out in paper, like, and people yeah. like, it's just, that's where we were at. We didn't have the internet. And so when I look at the space that we have now that's available to us, like it's free. We used to spend $500 for like a little two by three, like not even a picture. That wasn't even a picture. And that's what we had to do. So it is interesting. And when it comes to marketing, it's, it can be a really scary thing for some people, especially if you don't have that business background, you don't have that. But this is where I think you bringing yourself and your story and who you are is what separates you. Like we don't need to go online and sound like everyone else. Like that's like, that is one of the biggest mistakes that people make. And I think I'm going to start there because that was the door that was opened and talk to us about what you have created in your business, because we're going to go back after that, but talk to us about what you've created in your business and how that piece of visual storytelling and branding and how you see it for entrepreneurs. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, storytelling, and and I think we're we're on the same page for sure about this, even with this podcast. Like it's uh, story. It's a, it's the biggest thing um, that we have. It's what makes us who we are, and it's like it's our secret sauce. It's our you know secret superpower, our like recipe. And when we have this, we all carry it. It's just that sometimes you need like you know to go to a cooking class to help you kind of figure out how to get this recipe out in a way that you know um, makes sense or is can be edible by others and, and all those things because sometimes we can get so into the depths of you know everything that happened in our life and how that like completely is unrelated to our business but really when we extract the the learnings from it it can it can really apply to anything in life but also to business so I am a huge believer in actually pulling your story into your business and helping Helping people, uh, you know, see the importance and the value of doing that because that is what makes them so special. It's not about picking, you know, this like cool font and it's not about this awesome color. It's about, you know, what all of that encompasses and creates in somebody viewing it or seeing it. I mean, I've, I've shifted a little bit more from the visuals into more of, you know, a business coaching and, and leadership kind of position. Um, but it was a very natural transition because, very difficult for me to look at things <laughs> like one little piece of the puzzle over here. I need to look at the whole picture. And, mm-hmm. and I think once we start doing that a little bit more and we stop thinking about what am I going to post on Instagram and, you know, what picture should I put on my header on my website? Um, and we kind of take a bird's eye view, then everything becomes simpler. It becomes less, um, you know, like a to-do list and more like, oh, what, what am I really trying to say? Uh, you know, what am I really trying to help people with? So helping entrepreneurs through that journey of like getting away from the little nitpicky things that everybody online tells you you have to be doing and really focusing in on like, who am I? What am I trying to like create? What legacy and impact do I want to leave behind? And then how does my business help me do that? That journey is so much more exciting for me. And that's what I'm, I'm really passionate about helping people through. 
I love that. I think that is, I think that is so valuable, so important and so needed right now. So mm-hmm. you run, I know you have a few different aspects to your business. Right. I'd love for, because it all ties back to you and your story, but I would love for you to explain what it is that you do offer with entrepreneurs. Yeah. So my main, um, you know, offering right now is called the Honest Hustle Club and it is a private membership. So it's a paid membership for different entrepreneurs who are feeling all the feels when it comes to entrepreneurship, who feel alone, who feel like they have to do, you know, they have they download a freebie over here. And then that, that freebie tells them that they have to post like four times a week on Instagram. And so they go hardcore on that for a while. And then that doesn't seem to lead anywhere. And so then they find out that, oh, I'm supposed to worry about search engine optimization for my website. And so then they jump into that and they follow some other freebie and they're in some other email list and they're just trying to like keep up with, you know, the changing digital space. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the Honest Hustle Club does, it's almost like it curates all of the noise that is out there around how to grow your business. And it provides different resources via masterclasses, via guest speakers that can come in. And you're you're kind of encouraged to go through what I call uh the business roadmap. And in there, you can kind of self-identify where are you on the journey of growing this business. And once you know where you're at, you know, the checklist you get is much more based around where your needs are, where your fears lie, the, you know, the voices we keep telling ourselves, because someone in the beginning stages is going to have different fears than someone who is making, you know, $250,000 a year. Those people still have fears. They just look a little different. Mm -hmm. So just speaking to people in their level is really, um, really the important part of going through the club. And then at the end of the day, obviously the community and having, uh, there's currently, you know, as of the time of this recording, just over 70 people in there and that community feel of having other people that you can bounce ideas off of and, you know, just feel less alone with, um, is really powerful. One of the most powerful calls we have is our, our mastermind that happens at the end of the month. And in there, it's really beautiful because we have, you know, people who have, you know, business ideas. And then we have people who have been in business for eight years Mm -hmm. and we get, I say randomly, but I don't believe in randomness, uh, placed into all these breakout rooms. And you end up talking to people about, you know, a struggle you're going through and magically always, it just so happens that someone in the room either has been through the same thing, can give you a resource, can provide some support or help you, you know, not feel so stuck in that, in that cycle and move a little bit quicker. So it's a, it's a beautiful growing space and I'm really excited to explore what comes from it. So that's, that's my main offering. Mm -hmm. Other than that, I still offer, you know, business coaching and VIP days and I create websites for entrepreneurs, but, um, but at the end of the day, like the magic really is in the club. Yeah. I thank you so much for sharing that because the one thing um, that I think is overlooked a lot is building community. Like entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. can be a very lonely road and with, if you're trying to do it by yourself and you're constantly distracted by what everyone else is doing. And then, like you said, I, I did all the things you just said, downloaded a bazillion freebie, <laughs> trying to follow, not implementing 10% of everything, then yeah. making it mean something that I was not having success. And it's just such a spiral. Then it had to come to a space of going, okay, no, this is not how this has to work. But the community, I know I really dove into community last year and the start of this year, and it's made a massive difference. It it has to. I mean, we're not meant to do it by ourselves. It's really funny. You know, a lot of us, you know, have full-time jobs or we all start with a full-time job potentially. And then like, oh, I can't wait to leave it. 
and and do this thing on my own and and then you go on your and you're like but where are the people <laughs> like can someone tell me what to do it's so funny like we're like trying to leave a manager and then at the same time we're like looking for all these other online guides to just tell tell me what i'm supposed to do like tell me what i i should do and we don't really honor the fact that we made this decision because we actually have a lot of wisdom within us about what we're supposed to do we just don't listen to it we don't listen to it. We just feel like we have to follow a path that everybody else has followed. Um, and that leads us to this kind of, you know, either burnout or it leads us to going in a path that maybe isn't true to what we wanted to build in the first place. We end up building a job at the end of the day. Um, and, and that happens pretty often. So yeah, it's, it's, it's community is one of the biggest um, aspects of it. It's, it's hard to describe unless you, you know what that, you know, support and encouragement feels like, but, uh, but for anyone listening who doesn't have it, I highly encourage, you know, even just one other business partner who can, you know, meet with you on a weekly basis and just touch it. Like, how are you feeling? Like, mm-hmm. where are your goals at? What are you struggling with? It's one of the most important things, definitely for, for growth. It beats any strategy. I a hundred percent agree. And I think this is the, I, I've said this and I know it upsets some people <laughs> is because they're looking for the strategy piece. And yeah. I will do, like, I was just doing a, a deep dive the other day with a client and she goes, but I need the strategy. And I'm like, but do you believe that you can actually bring this to life? She's like, well, no. And I'm like, there's no strategy that's going to fix that. Yeah. Like we actually have to do some of this work first because you are your business at all times, right? You are your business at all times. So you have to dig in and do that for you, for yourself first. And I love how you said that because somebody just said that the other day and it really hit me is the fact that we think, you know, we leave this job because we don't want anyone to tell us what to do. And then we come into entrepreneurship and it's like, okay, but what do I do? Like, what do I do? I need someone to tell me what to do. And so it's, it's a learning curve, right? It is a learning curve as your business is now, is it how you envisioned it being? Is it more? It's completely different. (laughs) It's completely different. I think that's pretty common, um, you know, as you're, especially as you grow and as you learn more, um, I can't, I will never stop growing. I'm constantly, you know, in some sort of program or learning more or doing some certification or training over here because it's so exciting. I mean, learning is one of the most, it's one of the biggest joys of life to me. And I think, It would be kind of sad if, you know, three years down the road, my business looked exactly the same. It would mean that there has been no evolution. And and that's that's exactly where, you know, I think a lot of us try to create this magic business plan of what our business is going to be and look like. And then we are either trying to resist the change because we've created this business plan and it looks this way, Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, we feel bad when it does change because we're like, well, I went off course. Like I changed my, I changed my plan. And now I'm not following what I said I was going to do. It's funny when we always find a way, right. To make it about us and about how, you know, we're not enough or we're not doing enough. We're not doing the right thing, but that change is beautiful. I think obviously people have a different feeling around the word change. And that comes up a lot, depending on your story and depending on what changes looked like in your life. But for me, uh, you know, I've just learned to embrace change and actually kind of crave it and look for it and, and feel excited about what's, what's different and what's next. I think having that positive idea and mindset of, you know, abundance is always coming. And as long as we are staying true to ourselves and doing things that make us feel you know, happy and good, that good things will come. And so in our businesses, it's the same, you know, if you keep doing things that 
are slowly draining life away from you, you're going to build a business that's going to drain you, right? But if you start leading to the things that are working, the things that don't feel like work, the things that are like, oh, you know what? I offer these seven things in my business, but these three here, like this is this is where I feel most alive. Well, then let go of the rest, right? Um, like just let go of them, like turn them off. Don't offer them anymore. Like let the, web- the website page like go away and don't let anybody else see it ever again. And just focus on the work that you really, really love. And slowly you will build, you know, a business that feels really authentic and real to you and alive to you. Um, I, I actually heard this from a comedian who was saying, you know, when you start, you like, you'd, you'd say all the jokes and then, um, you know, you kind of start to see which ones land with your audience and which ones don't. And then the next time you go on stage, you don't say the bad jokes because why would you say the bad jokes? You just say the good jokes and then you add some other jokes. And then, you know, in two years, you have like a killer set and every joke is awesome. And that's how I feel about entrepreneurship. It's, it's no different. It's just little little tweaks here and there until you build, you know, the thing that is, is really meant for you. But, but we don't know that at the start. We have to try. No, we don't. And I, I absolutely love, like, you've got great analogies. That's how my brain works. And I, and I love it. I do because it's, it's okay to let things go. Like I, I let multiple things go in November of last year. And it was so scary because I was like, but that's part of my identity. That's who I am. These people expect this, but like, blah, 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 blah. All these stories I kept saying in my head. And as soon as they were gone, it's like five doors opened up. Like now all of a sudden I got to do you know, three, four, five new things that actually lit me up were easy. I loved it. And I was like, oh gosh, like, so the one door that we're so hesitant to close or to let go of is sometimes blocking us from so many other incredible things that are truly meant for us. Yeah, it's definitely, that's exactly how I feel about it. I mean, I think the more that we commit to doing this thing that maybe isn't filling us, the more we're blocking all the amazing things that are just waiting. Like they're just waiting for you to make room. They're waiting for you to allow them in. They're waiting for you to like be okay with allowing them in and and having something different come about, but they're just there and they're waiting. And I think the more we keep blocking, right, this thing that's coming towards us, um, obviously the the tougher it's going to feel, the harder it's going to feel, the more drained we're going to feel. And it's just being, you know, it takes a bit of bravery, right, to be able to say, you know what, this thing that does bring in income, (laughs) it's a service that does bring in money into my business. I'm going to let this go because I truly believe in in the fact that what is coming next is so much bigger and better Mm -hmm. and more aligned and therefore will mean that more money will come, but also, you know, you won't feel like you're working when you're doing it. No, it's the ease. That's the ease that Mm -hmm. has been so interesting because that is something that I would say for most of my life, I did not experience. I was always Mm -hmm. the pusher and just make things happen. Got a lot done generator. That's how I functioned, but it came down to it to really look at, it can be easy or where can I make it easier? Where can I let it be easy? Where can I stop trying to push it? And even just asking myself that question regularly, it's been a real eye opener that it doesn't have to be this hard. It can be easier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it. We don't have to make it hard. Allowing it to be easy is one of the hardest things to do actually, but it's one of the most um, empowering things that we can do. And uh, we're just, you know, it's, it's part of also how you either were told when you, when you were growing up, right? Like you work hard for the things that you want and it takes hard work and uh and you have to if you haven't you know all but killed yourself trying to get it then it's not then it's not really you're not deserving of it 
So when things come easy, sometimes we can almost push it away because we're like, well, I didn't really earn that, did I? Like it just great point. It came so naturally to me. You know, it's not really work. Like, what am I going to charge for it? Or or this opportunity came so easily, like it must just be like a fluke because we're so used to things having to be hard. Yeah, that is such a great analogy. So as somebody is listening to this, they are hearing somebody who is, you know, really embracing her journey, positive mindset very resilient, like willing to do the work, allowing to step into, I would call your zone of genius, like really going that route. And I know your business has exploded a lot over the last couple of years and I will dive into that, but I want to know, like, were you always this resilient? How did you get this way? Mm -hmm. Because I think this is a big misconception that happens a lot, which is why I'm so passionate about sharing stories is we look at people and we think, Oh my gosh, look at what she's done and what she's created. And I'm like, but do you know her backstory? Like, because some people who you admire the most walk through unbelievable challenges to get to where they are. And I think we do have to honor that part of the journey because it's made us who we are. Yeah. It's, um, it's really funny. I mean, to go into like a point form mode of this, it's when I grew up in Venezuela, I grew up in a very affluent household. We in Venezuela, it's in like typical, like similar to a lot of South American countries. It's very common to have, um, to give you an example, my grandfather who lived in Colombia um, had a couple about like three different and over there we do call them maids, mm-hmm. um, main house staff um, and a gardener and a chauffeur and all of these people that mm-hmm. like were caring for him in this big house. You know, when I would go over for dinner, it was like, you know, you have to use the right, the right fork <laughs> and then the right spoon and you're a child. And, you know, again, I moved when I was 10. So all of this was before you're 10. And in, in Venezuela, which is where my other side of the family um, is, you know, my parents did very well for themselves. My mom had her own dentist, uh, dentistry pra- practice, and we went to a very, you know, high-end private school and had all of the tutors. And um, we did have a, a cook and a maid at the house and all of these, these things that made life so easy. I remember talking to my mom and she was like, I didn't even know what the price of milk was. Like, because I it would didn't just, matter. like it was didn't it, matter. Yeah, like you could just, yeah. you send someone to, to buy the things and they would give you the grocery bill and that's it. And that's how I grew up in, in Venezuela. So, uh, you know, to go from that and, and be, I was super popular in my school and all of the things that feel really important when you're nine. Mm. Um, and then I, we moved to Venezuela to, sorry, to the United States for political reasons. We were fleeing a political nightmare that was looming on Venezuela that sadly came true. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was in the early stages. My parents were able to see it kind of from bird's eye view. And we're like, you know what? Where we want to get out before it gets really, really bad. And so we left and getting to to the United States, getting to a country where you don't speak the language and where at the time when I arrived in Nashville, uh, just between the cousins that had traveled with us, my brother and I, we were the only non-white people in our entire school. So there was no, you know, ESL program built because nobody needed it there. So, you know, ESL looked like the librarian showing you cue cards and hoping that you could guess the right word. And, um, and it was very, it was very, very difficult. And I think one of the things was, you know, at the beginning, I felt like, oh, this is like a cool journey. Like we're going to go, they told me we're going to go to Disney, never went, but that was the whole point of, of leaving. And, and then you end up coming from this place where everything's done for you. You have like support and help and you have family around and you are kind of at the top of your game when it comes to grade four, 
you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you, you land in a new place and all of a sudden you're, you're really nothing. That was very interesting. I, I grew super quiet. Obviously during that time, I couldn't really talk anyways, carry a dictionary in my back pocket all the time and things, but that journey was really one of the, the first shaping journeys for me in terms of resilience, in terms of, well, well, who am I now that all of these things that I felt made up my identity were taken away. Like I didn't have my piano tutoring and I didn't have, you know, this over here. And I didn't have my friends that all knew who I was and I didn't have to prove myself to them anymore. And now you're here trying to just get invited to a birthday party. And that, that whole journey was, was really, really interesting when I reflect back on it. Obviously as a child, we see things so differently. We're, we're so focused in the, in the moment and what it feels like to go to school and not know where to sit and in those moments. But looking back, I mean, that was definitely the first time I saw struggle. Um, and I never knew what that was like before, which I, I still feel so blessed that I, I knew both. I actually think it is a blessing you knew both. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, it's one of the biggest things I always, I always think like, man, if I had stayed in Venezuela and obviously Venezuela hadn't gone in the direction it went, like, would I be a spoiled brat? <laughs> like really? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I, I'm really grateful for the experience. It was, it was hard and it was, it was struggle, but my parents did a great job of hiding so many things, you know, from us and not showing us the true nature of like why we moved and, mm-hmm. um, and the, and the ways that they were struggling. And then came the next move, which is, you know, you're in middle school. I'm finally like, I can speak the language. I'm like acing all my classes. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm really involved. I have like a handful of friends. Um, and then my parents tell us we have to move again. And this time now I'm mad. Now I'm not, now I'm not shocked and not, I'm not sad. I'm just angry. You know, at this point, I'm like, this is the most unfair thing you can do to me. How dare you? (laughs) And, you know, at 12, almost 13, we, we packed a car as fast as we could. It was political reasons. Again, we were fleeing and um, the timing was incredibly quick. I think we were told we were moving on like say on Monday and by Friday, our car was packed and we were driving up to Canada. And I remember I drove with like my knees to my chin because I I didn't want to leave anything behind. So like my little side of, I have two brothers. So it was a small car and just filled it with as many things as I could. And we drove up and asked for a refuge. And that's, you know, that's where I finally was like, okay, I'm angry now. I don't understand. You need to stop hiding things from me and tell me what is going on. And that's when I knew our full story. That's when I learned all of the political, you know, fears my parents were fleeing from every time. Um, That's when I understood really like the meat of everything. And that was a lot to take in at 12. But, you know, that was, I think, the most powerful experience I've had in my life, which was um, coming somewhere now with actually nothing. Like at this point, you know, we really do have the money that we have in cash and that's about it. And Canada, um, you know, was as nice as they could be for someone coming so quickly, but it still meant uh, we were, we were placed in a shelter and lived there for about six months. And that experience is really, I think, you know, now that I look back, it's, it's one of my, I don't want to, I don't know how to explain it, but it's one of my favorite times. Like I, it was so enlightening. It was so beautiful in a way. Again, you know, my parents did an excellent job. I thank them all the time for how, how little, you know, pain I feel, I feel like we as children went through. They held so much of it for us. But in this shelter, like we were there six months. Most people were really there for about two weeks. So I saw a lot of people come and go. 
and got to learn about so many different people, so many different places of the world, so many tragedies that people have been through in coming here. So it was the most eye-opening experience. It was, you know, figuring out how to play with toys that were donated probably like a decade ago and and trying to entertain the kids that would come. And, and on all the things that came from that experience are really, I think, the thing that shaped me today, because it is those stories that I learned from every one of those families that came through the shelter that opened my eyes to like how incredible we all are. Like we really have been all of us, no matter if you've like never moved in your life, like you've been through some stuff and that in the way that we can just see someone on the bus or we can see someone on the street and know nothing about their history. Like I get so like, I'm getting amped already just talking about it because it's like, I don't know anything about you, you know? And there's, there's so much to learn and that curiosity and that want to know more about someone. Like sometimes that's all they've ever needed. They just needed somebody to care about, you know, what it was like for them to be five. And, and that's it. That's, that's all they really want to share. So that journey, that entire moving, that entire displacement, that entire having to redefine who you are in this new place with this new world around you, that is, um, that I think is the, the thing that obviously has shaped me to be the way that I am. But it's also in, in obviously my, in the, in my parents and how um, they allowed me to experience these things in a way that didn't feel you know, as, as dramatic as really they were, you know, and be, and it was a fun experience to get ready and go eat at, at the homeless uh, restaurant, as they called it. Like, it was just like fun because you didn't know what meals they were going to give you that day. You didn't get to pick, right? You just got to, mm-hmm. you just got to see like, well, what dessert are we getting today? It was, it was always fun. It was, it was driven with an idea of like wonder and curiosity rather than, than struggle. And those are the things I hold to this day. It's wonder and and curiosity about people and about their journeys. So that's, that's all of it in a nutshell. No, that's amazing. Thank you so much for being so real and sharing that with us, because I also think like that piece of wonder, curiosity, getting to know people has also allowed you like from what I see and from what I do know of you, like not judgmental, like not like that. This piece of is Mm. of judgment can be really, really challenging for all of us. And when I think it was, and it's probably like 13 or 14 years ago, I went to a women's conference and by far one of the most powerful things I've ever did, I've ever done. And we actually, if I can just share, and I realized it's, I was not living there. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, but one of the things they did was they actually took us in a limo on purpose to a shelter. We worked there for the day and I will never forget the um, director of the shelter sharing stories and basically saying, please know that every single person like pointing to us is sometimes you're one decision away from being here. These people are, there's nothing different about them. And it was such a a humbling and it really, I'm so grateful that I got to see that. And then when it was done, we had to find our way back ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so there was no transportation. We had an hour to do it. We had to ask for money. We had to go. And then whoever generated the most, like, it doesn't matter what it was, but we all, all the money that we did gather was donated back to the shelter. But in one hour, we went from this experience of like going by limo. It was all this luxury. And then it's like, okay, now you're on your own. Now you have to find your way back. Now you have to live and ask for help on the street to get back. And we were not in a space that we could walk back. It was like significantly far away. But I just remember that day was transformational for me in so many reasons. And just understanding that 
her saying, there are families here. There are people here who have literally, it's just one decision, one change. Some people who are very educated where they are leaving an abusive spouse, they are in this space. Like, and it was just such a great experience for all of us to go through and learn and see. And so I thank you for sharing everything that you did. Well, of course. And and I, I, I encourage many people and anyone listening mm-hmm. to um, always put themselves in situations where you're surrounded by both people that don't look like you and people that have different life experiences as yes. you. So volunteering is definitely number one. Uh, it's, it's a, it's, I mean, relatively the easiest way for you to get in proximity yeah. with people that um, have different experiences. And I think understanding also, and being able to be really have a lot of reflection about why are we doing it? Is it that we want to feel, you know, helpful and we want to like offer support or is it that we're there to really learn from these people? Because I think often we think we have to hire this coach or we have to go to this course and that's the way we're going to learn. I've learned so much from the people in the shelter, like the the resilience that they have, it's always made it difficult. Um, You know, it's been my own struggle and journey of understanding, like, how much can I really say I struggled, right? Like, and and I know we all have different definitions of that. And that's something that we often struggle with, but people have it worse. And it was really difficult in the shelter to think, to not think that because people were coming from places where they were being bombed. Or um, I know a family from Iraq that spent three years you know, in a, in a shelter in Iraq, waiting to get approval to come to Canada. And the, the room that they had, had no floor, had dirt on the floor. And the, the dad of the family who was the tallest had calluses on his feet because when he laid to sleep, like he was the length of the room and his feet were always pressed against the wall, which was rock. And and I was like, man, three years like that. And, And here I am six months, you know, in a shelter in Canada with heat, with, with the things that I get access to, you know, in this place. And so it, it made, always made it hard to not feel like you had to compare your struggle with someone else. But what it did allow for me was really seeing, yeah, like we really can't, you know, the, the person that is giving you your meal at the restaurant, like could have been a doctor back home. And that's the way that they were serving. And now that this is a different way that they're serving and they have to feel a lot of pride for the way that they're doing it now because they've made it, they've they've made something, they've left a very traumatic experience behind. I got to see it firsthand with, with, for example, my mom who, you know, grew up and was like a student, had her own dentistry practice and her own place. She was an entrepreneur by nature. And had this incredible, you know, practice and now to be in, in Canada and then see her struggle to find work. And then the found the work she did find was essentially cleaning apartments and, you know, on flushing toilets at like 2 a.m. and having to be on call in this, in this apartment building, which is still work that she was proud of because it provided food mm-hmm. for her family and like shelter for her family. But at the end of the day, it's not seen as the most glamorous work, right? Which is why that piece of not judging people where they're at and knowing that, you know, you have no clue, no clue what they've been through to be where they are and how proud they must be of where they are at. We feel like we have to feel sorry for people in certain positions or roles um, when really like to them like that, this is, this is the dream in a way, you know, obviously they don't want to stay doing that forever, but this is the dream. Like they, they arrived there for my parents, like the, their biggest goal was to have their kids be able to create a future for themselves. So the fact that I can, you know, get on the internet for free and build a business and generate income is really living, living there. Like this is the legacy they're leaving behind. And that's why I'm, 
I'm even more passionate to grow it. It's because, you know, this is a future they wanted for me. And this is a future I want now for, for everyone to, to experience, because really we, we do have the power to come from wherever we're at and create a, a life that we're, we're truly proud of. It just takes a lot of journaling, <laughs> a lot of reflection, a lot of understanding what our story even means and then extracting, right? It's I, to me, it's more about that. We talked about this earlier on about not, you know, highlighting the struggle, but so much more the extracting piece. Like what can you extract from that experience that's going to then help you? Because there is lessons everywhere trickled throughout your entire story. But we, if we don't go back and pick them up, like they're just sitting there. Yeah. So being able to extract those pieces, um, like I've been able to extract things from this experience at the shelter and, you know, you know, being able to open my fridge and say like, thank God for all this food. It's just, it's one of the simplest things I do, but it's, I can't, I still go to the grocery store and I'm like, I can pick whatever I want to, whatever I want. I can, I can buy any item I want from this grocery store mm-hmm. and that will forever still shock me and and wow me. And, and I will never stop being grateful for, for that. So yeah, it's, it's looking for those pieces and finding those moments in your day when you're like, I can get caught up in the fact that my internet speed is slow, or I can just sit here for a moment and be like, holy crap. Wow. Um, you said so many, so many gold nuggets and gems. And I thank you because you, you just really spoke to so many people. And these are, this is really what this show is about And what a lot of my platform is about is we spend so much time resenting, hiding, shaming our past stories, the challenges that we've had when there is lessons in there and perspective that can help us to shift our own mindset, our own, how we show up, but also make a massive difference in someone else's life by learning how to own that. And, and that's the the piece. It sounds so cliche, but I would say like, you cannot love yourself and hate everything that made you who you are. Like some of those challenges, as hard as they are, I'm not playing light because I know like the people have very different challenges, but we have to start to embrace that. This has made me who I am. And how can I, like show up in that energy and use this to share and impact others. And I see you doing that with your business and everything that you're creating. Now I would love, I'm going to give you a minute here to plug yourself because I would love for you to share the article you were highlighted in what that experience was like, because I have also followed um, her work too before and I love everything that she does. So I would love if you'd share that. Sure. Um, so I joined uh, Rachel Rogers's like program after I, I read her book called We Should All Be Millionaires. And I connected a lot naturally with her story. She also had um, the very humble beginnings and struggled a lot through poverty and, you know, eventually had children. I have two, soon to be three myself. So I connected a lot with just her journey of, of resiliency and of making sure that she recreated, you know, the family tree in a way that was not going to be, you know, an abundant thing for her, for her parents, for her future and for her kids. So I I joined her program and have been going through essentially like a mini, like a coaching membership in a way. When I started my business, like I said, it looked completely different, but going through, you know, being able to implement things, for example, like removing offers, right. That I no longer felt aligned with increasing my pricing, really stepping into like my worth and finding so hard to find a number, right. That you feel worthy of when it, when you're not, especially when you're not giving like a tangible thing back to someone else took some time, but 
that experience of going through it is, is mostly, it's my, my nature of just like going all in on the things that I, that I go into. And so I went all in on this thing and wanted to make it really clear, like, this is the way that this, this experience has shaped me. And I submitted a testimonial to them and they asked for a written testimonial, but I'm a very visual person. So I filmed the video Yep. and in the video, I just like pointed out a few notes about, you know, how, when I was 13, I made this pact with myself. I, I was at the shelter when I turned 13, it was February. We had arrived like one month before and my life looked completely different. And this was like supposed to be this amazing thing. You're becoming a teenager. Like it's, it's a big deal I, I had read about. And, um, and here I was like in this shelter, I didn't have anyone to invite. Like we just had the staff that was there. And, and actually that family from Iraq was there at the time. And, and they were there for my birthday. And I remember thinking very clearly, like, I will not let my family step in a shelter out of need, like ever. And that included my parents. So I, I just made this pact with myself and I like held it to myself. And I just said, no, 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 this is not the way it's going to be. And, and if I have the power to change it, I will. And so I shared that story with them, which, you know, captivated them as well. And my business did go through a massive growth in that basically 12 months in a year uh, from, you know, making just about like the 30 to $40,000 mark. And then when I ended 2021, my business had closed off at like $213,000, which is like, uh, I mean, it's bonkers when, when I, right. It's just, it's just insane when, when you say it out loud. And then, and then for me to even have the audacity to be like, yeah, I'm going to make $500,000 next. Like, because, because why not? Because we can, we can decide things whenever we want to, and then go for them. And that's the most exciting thing. I'm, I'm okay with, with going for a big goal because I know I'll get, if I don't get it, I'll get super close. You know, my goal for 2021 was 250,000 and I didn't hit that. I hit 213. That's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. So exactly. it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a beautiful, uh, it's been a beautiful journey. And even then to be, have this article written around, um, highlighting that experience and uh, someone asking for, you know, my takeaways and what have I learned through the process was really what felt, it felt like kind of coming full circle to connecting with someone, you know, we always have these people we admire, like you might have like an author or a business coach. And I was like, oh my gosh, wouldn't it be so cool if we could be their friend? And I'm always like, how can we get in closer proximity with the people that, you know, are, are at the level that you want to be at. And so Rachel asked me to speak at this event and I was like, Rachel said my name, like what is happening in my life? Like there was just all these different things that kept coming up that I'm like, you know what? Um, there's something here. And so I, um, I've, I've never, I've never purposely hidden this part of my story. I've never like, you know, oh, I don't want anyone to know where I grew up or anything, but I also never used it. I never leaned on it. Because, you know, so many of us, especially when you've been through things like this, you don't want to um, lean on it in a way that feels um, like you're abusing the story or like you're you're profiting from this, from the, you know, amazing headline that that can give you. Right. Um, so, so for me, I was like, no, like, it's not, it's not important. It's not, it's, it's not what made this anyway. And, and then over time, I was like, no, actually, it's a huge part of why I'm the way that I am. And I know for a fact, like if I had been in that shelter and like, say an entrepreneur had walked in and told me like, Hey, PS, you're allowed to change your mindset. You don't have to wait 10 years to do it. <laughs> you know, that might've helped. <laughs> so <laughs> I would love, uh, you know, one of my biggest missions right now is I would love to create a curriculum. And I've talked to my mom about doing one with her because I have the experience of a child going through this journey of going through being in a shelter and coming out of it. And my mom has the parent 
outlook of what it felt like to have her children in a shelter and have her family, you know, in a shelter. And that is a whole different vulnerability experience for her. So creating a curriculum that we could go into shelters and actually provide mindset and support and um, create like an inspiring story for these people in a way where I could talk to the children and she could talk to the parents and be able to relay our story and, and be able to have, you know, just someone walk in and let them know like, Hey, PS, it doesn't have to be like this forever. That is the most exciting thing for me right now. And this year I've decided in 2022 that it's going to be the year to, to speak the story out more. And which is why I'm here with you. And which yep. is why I'm like, I'm calling in the opportunities to speak uh, about these things because they're important. And I can see now how it's not actually using the story. It's more using the teachings from it to be able to show someone else in a very similar or close or, you know, relatable situation, what is actually possible if we work on these different aspects of our life. So um, I'm really excited. I'd love to, uh, you know, partner with an actual therapist, because I know that in a lot of these conversations, trauma will come up, especially with things that people have experienced coming into these shelters, especially immigrant shelters. Um, is what I'm focused on and, uh, and then create some sort of curriculum where we can go in and do this and do this kind of work because it's, it's going to be the most surreal thing for me to walk back into a shelter with my mom and, you know, sit with them and, and talk and create maybe a lasting change in one person there that is going to make it so that they don't have to go like I did 10 years, you know, thinking that the world was unfair to them. And that all these things happen to them and not trying to see, you know, how can we, when we're ready to heal from this, you know, learn from, from our experiences. So uh, it's a journey. It's going to be a long one. I'm not going to be done this year, but uh, I'm excited to report back <laughs> how it goes. Um, we'll look forward ready. to having you back to report. Yeah. I, I love that. I think the, to tie it to something you said earlier is the fact that you have, we all have these lessons in the parts of the story that we don't ever like unpack or look at. And all of a sudden, when you can go back and look at them and appreciate that that's made me who I am. And those lessons actually are important. And they are, they're a big piece of what makes us relatable to other people and allows them to see what is possible. So the other thing I would say too, is just by you sharing those parts of your story with others like look at the ripple that can happen you can you now have a community that you've built you are now helping entrepreneurs how many people are they impacting and it's just that ripple piece but it always comes down to like us deciding to go first like you deciding to go mm-hmm. first and saying this is not the legacy i am leaving for my family i have no idea how it's going to look or what's going to happen but this is how i choose to do it and I, that's how i see what you're doing Thank you. And, and that's a beautiful, you know, kind of end cap for anyone who, who is thinking like, what do I have to give to this world? Like what kind of impact can I leave in anyone, in anyone's life? You know, I've, I've always been an open book in sharing uh, openly about things that have happened. And although many people will say like, you know, there's a, something called an oversharer. I think when you're ready to share, you know, the learnings from something um, it's valuable, it's so valuable and you don't have to know who you're impacting. I think that's yeah. part of the, the beauty of it is, is the point of this legacy is to never know. It's to never know the impact we're going to leave behind because then it'll be so much bigger than us. You know, it's no different than I went through two miscarriages before I had my first son and I shared very publicly. I wrote a blog, I wrote things around it. And to this day, I still have messages from people 
very quietly, who've never talked to me ever before, or like I met them once in high school and never again, who will say how, you know, reading that really helped them when they were feeling alone. And it's situations like that. And every time I get a message like that, I'm like, yep, that's why I share. It's because it will impact someone and I don't have to know about it. It doesn't have to be a pride thing of like, these are all the people that have inspired. It's about, you know, knowing, just really knowing that as long as you're sharing from a good place, as long as you know why you're sharing what you're sharing and not just, you know, blatantly like, let, let's open up the, the bag of worms and see everything that's inside. But if you know why you're sharing the learnings from an experience you've had, because you truly believe that someone else could learn something from it, um, that's enough. Like, that's enough to share. That's enough to share with your small circle network of people. That's enough to share loudly on social media. That's enough to share about on a giant stage. Like all of it is enough. And that piece of who can we inspire and not knowing how many people we're going to touch with our story is one of the most exciting things for, for someone, you know, that is going through this journey because um, when you just lean into the fact that your story is valuable, no matter what you've been through, I hope nobody listening to this is comparing their story to mine. I want you to know, like, you know, there's there, you've been through some stuff I haven't been through, right? Like, uh, it's no different than me saying, you know, thank God I've always been in a, in a healthy and loving relationship with my husband. I have no idea what it feels like to be abused as a mother or as a wife or as a partner. And that story can impact so many. And there's so many things like that. You don't have to have gone through something that you believe to be incredibly traumatic. You need to have gone through something that was a struggle enough for you. And that is enough to share. So I know all of us can leave, you know, a a footprint behind. I know so many of us listening have something worthy of sharing. It's just believing that it's worthy enough and um, believing that your story is going to actually be support and help to someone else. And everyone has the power to do that. There's just going to be a little mic drop moment there because that was (laughs) absolute gold. Yes, absolute gold. We all have stories. We all have something that we can share and when we really start to dive into that, it we actually don't even have the ability or business to predict who it's going to speak to because we don't know. And, and that's, the, that's the piece. Actually, it's a beautiful piece because if you walk out with expectations of who is going to be impacted by it or thinking it's going to be people just with your exact same story, that isn't true. That isn't true at all. Like I have, I have clients that have stories completely different from mine, but they see that there's hope and freedom and learning how to share that because they want to help others. And so it's, it doesn't have to be the same, but learning to speak from that space, it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you 100%. We're, I'm excited to see all the change that comes from people actually stepping into the power of, of who they are, what their story has taught them. And I'm excited for places like this podcast and other places that are popping up that are really highlighting the importance of that. And and I'm definitely bringing that in into all the coaching and and the work that I'm doing. It's becoming, like I said, much, much less about the visual representation of your business and so much more about really what's, what's underneath that makes you so unique and so able to connect with this particular audience or that particular audience. Yeah, it's embracing that fully. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Where can people connect with you and how do you work with the, your membership space? I know it, it's an open and close experience, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so they can find me on Instagram. I am probably live there the most and that's at, at honest dot hustle. 
Um, and that's where you can feel free to send me a message or send me voice notes. I love voice notes because I have kids and <laughs> voice notes allow me to just like talk and walk at the same time. And that's how we can connect. And then in terms of, you know, how we can work together, the Honest Hustle Club opens a doors a few times in the year. And that's just because I like to have, you know, people feel held through the process of joining and not just have like random people coming in and feeling like they're joining a party that got started. But if you come in with a group of people, it feels kind of like a cohort. It feels like you're joining with another another group of, of individuals. It also feels less scary to do that. So that you can check out the Honest Hustle Club at honesthustle.ca and see when the next doors are opening. And other than that, uh, you know, if you ever want to connect and send me a voice note, I'm happy to chat. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And, or a brand photo shoot. Yeah. Brand photo shoot, websites, you know, brand coaching, all the things, but at the end of the day, you know, what's going to bring you the the most long-term value is really, it's really being connected um, with community. Like we, like we said, hundred percent. Thank you so much for this conversation. I'll make sure everything is in the show notes. I have, you have just given so much value to anybody who's listened and I'm grateful for that and grateful for this time. I have one more question for you. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? I am um, most grateful, um, <laughs> um, for knowing what it is to be grateful. Um, I am, I am, it is, it is the biggest thing I hold true every day. Gratefulness is the thing I, I'm just, it's kind of this hidden magical thing that if we can tap into it more often, it makes everything so much easier. It just allows us to take a step back. It always allows me to take a step back. It's like I said, when I open the fridge and I feel that gratefulness, I, I it's hard to feel frustrated about anything in that moment. When I, you know, turn on my light and electricity is turns on, like I, it's very difficult to be frustrated about anything else. So I'm grateful for the experiences in my life that have allowed me to know what it's like to be without mm-hmm. and to be with, and therefore to be able to really be grateful for what I for what I have. So yeah, I'm grateful for the lesson of, of knowing what it's like to be grateful. Uh, There's again, powerful because it's not a case of just saying like, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for this, but actually knowing and embodying that I am grateful for this because I know what it's like to not have this. Like I can feel both sides and and feeling the gratitude is when it actually, like when you do actually embody it. So that is, is a beautiful, beautiful answer. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been so, so fun and time has flown by. (laughs) (laughs) It always does, but yes, this one definitely has. And I cannot wait for this episode to drop because there's so much value here for everyone. So thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you for anyone listening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.